morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness of God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I'm just trying to see, do you trust him this morning? I'm just trying to see, has he been faithful? Has he been good? Has he been merciful? And if he's been all that, you ought to give him praise. Because he's worthy. The Lord is worthy of our praise. Oh Lord, it is good once again to be in the house of the Lord. I have entered into his gates, thanksgiving into his course with praise. I'm thankful unto him, and I will bless his name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth to all generations. If you will, turn with me to the Gospels, recorded by Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and we'll begin our reading with verse number 9. The Gospel is recorded by Matthew chapter 9. Verse number nine. From, from the English Standard Version, the word of God reads thusly. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors? and sinners but when he heard it he said those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick go and learn what this means that I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And the word.
word of God for the people of God. Man, if you will allow me on this morning to label this lesson and title this text in our exchange today, simply this, and you too. And you too. We live in a world where we have increasingly become distant from our brothers and our sisters. We live in a pandemic and post-pandemic world where day by day we are greatly connected by the things we have, but we lack the touch of community. That we live in a world where we have accessibility to almost everything in our fingertips. But many people in this world still feel abandoned. That we have so much that we can move toward by way of technology. But so many people still feel like they're in isolation. And I just come this morning to let you know that the God that we serve not only yields to show himself in the midst of crowds and community, but the God we love will show himself to you too. You ought to thank God that he is a God who has embraced the community, who has embraced the crowds and embraced the fellowship of many. But then I'm even the more thankful to God that he will come and embrace me too. And he will embrace you too. That we have a God who loves the multitudes. But I thank God that he also comes for the one. That is, in this text, we see a kind of different kind of encounter with Jesus. Uh, if you know the story of the gospel in, in, in Matthew, just before Jesus takes his journey to this place in Capernaum, he has been to a place called Gadarene. And in Gadarene, he has encountered a man who is filled with demons. And the man is filled with demons, and he lives in a town, but he doesn't live with the crowd. He lives on the outskirts of town. He doesn't live with the people. He lives by himself because he is isolated and separated because of his condition. He has a condition that has now overpowered him and he lives amongst the tombs. He is cutting himself, wailing. The people hear him, but ain't nobody has enough power to go out and talk to him. He's by himself. He has been isolated. He is, if you will, in his own pandemic. But Jesus shows up in town. And Jesus has the nerve to walk up to the man and heal the man of his affliction. And now Jesus moves from that side of the lake to the other side of the lake. The Bible says he goes to his hometown, not Nazareth. 
his hometown of ministry, Capernaum. And when he gets to Capernaum, he is walking by the way and he sees a man at the tax booth. And I'm just trying to help somebody. You ought to thank God that he loves you enough to see you where you are. And imagine he is at the tax booth. Matthew, the tax collector, he is a a friend of the state. That makes him a pariah to the people. That I wish you knew that Matthew, because he was a, a tax collector, he worked for the local and state government. Matthew worked for the state government, and because he worked for the state government, his own people, Other Jews saw him as a traitor, as one, a turncoat, if you will, as one who did not sit with the rest of us, even though his heritage was just like everybody else. He was sitting at the tax booth, and I get every day he collected taxes, but nobody, even folk who said they love God, would reach out to him and tell him, how you doing today? But when Jesus gets there, it says in the Bible that he sees him at the tax booth. You ought to praise God that we serve a God who sees us right where we are. And don't miss it. I'm talking about God sees the real you. The real you is the one who's suffering in silence by yourself. The real you wants somebody beside you. The real you needs some help. And you are sitting at a place by yourself. But I thank God that we serve a Christ who has come and he sees me. He sees Matthew. And you ought to thank God. I wish somebody could praise God that he sees you. He knows you. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're going through. He knows your hangups and your heartache. He knows that he sees you. You ought to thank God that we serve somebody who sees us. That you know we're connected to folk. We can text somebody. We can send an email. We can even make a phone call. But they don't really see us. They are communicating with us, but they're not embracing us. Is there anybody here who has felt like you've been all by yourself sometimes, even though you're in a crowd of folk, but you ought to thank God that Jesus sees you? Says that he was passing on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew. Sitting at the tax booth. Well, thank God that he sees us right where we are. But also thank God that he knows and he doesn't care what we're doing. He's at a tax booth. And because he's at the tax booth, his own folk don't like it. Because he works for the state. He is uh, working for those in the company of what's red. 
while everybody walking around him enjoys blue. Y'all ain't feeling what I'm saying. He has his own money because he works for the state. I can imagine parked on the outside of the tax booth. He has a Mercedes Benz. And the folk knows that's the tax collector's car. And because they are mad and jealous because he has a, a, a Mercedes Benz, they walk right by him giving them their tax money never saying a word to him. Because they don't like where he's sitting. But Jesus sees him and knows what he is doing. And he still has the wherewithal to say something to him. Don't get it twisted, y'all. He's sitting there. And in my mind, Matthew was waiting on somebody who loves God just to say something to him. Is there anybody in your life that you pass by every day and they know you come to Salem Church? They know every Sunday morning you put your clothes on, you let your garage door up, and you're going to the house of God. They know exactly where you're going, and they stand outside looking at you, waiting on you to say something. That they want Jesus as much as you got him, but you ain't never said nothing to them because of where they sit. Come here, somebody. Somebody need to understand where you sit can affect your eternal place with God. Is there anybody here that understands somebody needs to hear your voice even if they're sitting in a seat that you don't like? That's where Matthew is. He is somebody that the folk don't like. And can imagine in his mind over the years at the tax booth, he sees people coming from the synagogue. He sees people coming back from their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But then because of where he sits, they don't say nothing to him. He is suffering in isolation. But all he was waiting on was somebody to say something to him. So he could give up everything that they thought was value to him. Jesus simply says, follow me. Oh, I wish I had somebody who can praise God. That where I was, where I was sitting... Who I really was. Jesus had the nerve to reach out to me and said, follow me. Doesn't matter where you were, people of God. You could be in the house of God all your life, but you still need somebody to say, follow me. Watch what Matthew does, y'all. Don't miss this. I think he's suffering in silence. Jesus says, follow me. Uh, I'm in the book, right? Watch, watch what he does. He follows it. You missed it. You missed it. He was waiting all his life for somebody to care enough about him 
even though he was sitting in the wrong place, to simply say, follow me. And when Jesus said, follow me, that world that we thought he loved, he left it behind and he went and followed Jesus. Is there anybody here that understands they thought I loved something, but Jesus called me and I left everything. I left everything to follow him. Matthew is by occupation. A tax collector. But there are theologians and, and, and there are those commentators. And even in my own mind, it's amazing. Matthew has this incredible gift of finance. But then you're going to see something that Matthew does. In my opinion, he does this right after Jesus calls him. Jesus... He knows you. He knows the real you. And he didn't care where you were sitting when he called you. Now, somebody need to think about that. That you were sitting in some places that you had no business sitting in. But Jesus still had the nerve to see you and to say, follow me. I wish I had some real folk in the house. That could thank God because they know where you were sitting. Some of us were sitting right there with you at the same place. But Jesus reached out to both of us and said, follow me. Matthew. Matthew is known by theologians as the evangelist and the theologian. It's amazing. You would think that if Jesus called him. And Jesus had a funny way. Of calling individuals. Jesus knew who people were. Jesus, it, this in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew is the fifth called person that we see in his gospel. Back in chapter four, he calls this, he calls four fishermen. Andrew and his brother Simon Peter. And then he calls two other fishermen, brothers, that they're with their father Zebedee, James and John. But we don't see him call another person. Till five chapters later, chapter nine, he calls Matthew. Peter and James, Peter, James, John, Simon, and Andrew, he told them, I'll make you fishers of me. He says, You already got a skill that I can work with. But Matthew is on the other side of the ledger. He works for himself and for the people they don't like. But Jesus calls him because I believe Jesus knows there's something on the inside of Matthew that nobody else can see but him. I wish y'all heard me that there's something inside of you that the Lord Jesus saw. That that's why he called you, and when he called you, he gave you a testimony and a gift that didn't nobody else know was there. Follow me, stay with me. In the next scene, it's, 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 it's unique, y'all. Uh, sometimes, you ever had to struggle if people really knew you? That even when you know folk for a long time, you wonder do they really know you? 
My, 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 my bride is here. She is my bride of 22 honeymoons. I'm smarter than the average bell. 22 honeymoons. And, and, and not a couple weeks ago, she warmed my heart by what she said to me. It, it may sound trivial to y'all, but she did. I, it, made me, it made me know that she really does know me. I had to go take care of some business one morning, and it was the morning of the national championship game. I think y'all know me too, dog. I love that y'all know me. But it was the morning of the national championship game, and I had to go meet somebody. And she said, she said, the man you're meeting is a bigger Georgia football fan than you are. Now, I know that don't mean nothing to y'all, but that warmed my heart because that really means that she knows me. And I said, man, somebody bigger than me? She said, when you see him, he going to have a hoodie on. And it's going to be great. And it's going to have the big Georgia G on it. Okay, I could, I could do that. So I, I, I met him, talked to him. Finished the business, and then because he had that sweatshirt on, I said, hey, man. I said, it's going to be a good game tonight, right? He said, yeah, man, I, I think we're going to kill him. I said, yeah, I think we're a better team. I said, but I, I saw him. They, they're a pretty good team. I saw him. He said, no. He said, he said, it's over right now. He was convinced that Georgia was so much better than TCU. And I said, yeah, man. I said, I'm, I'm good with you. He said, he said, I'm so convinced that after the game is over, I'm going to get in my car and drive to Athens. I said, yeah, my wife knows me because I'm going to get in my bed and go to sleep. <laughs> I'm just trying to help somebody to know that the God we serve knows who you really are. And he knows you intimately enough to even compare you to somebody else and understand the choice you're going to make as opposed to the one somebody else is going to make. In the next scene, it says Jesus is in a house. Doesn't tell us whose house it is. It just says he's in a house. But then watch this. It says Jesus is in a house reclining oh don't miss it don't miss it and he's reclining in a house with tax collectors and sinners I know why y'all ain't shouting Jesus is at a party with folk who normally we wouldn't be at the party with he is at a party with tax collectors and sinners. And here is the point I'm trying to make. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. But Jesus is still comfortable enough to sit down. Can you imagine what is going on in the party with tax collectors and sinners? It might be some drinks flowing over here. It might be some smoking over there. It might be some dice playing back here. 
But Jesus is still reclining with tax collectors and sinners. Is there anybody here that understands when he met you right where you are? Jesus was comfortable enough to lay down beside your nasty behind and still be comfortable. what I'm talking about because I'm not talking about y'all I'm talking about me that I thank God I grew up in the church but I still needed Jesus to find me where I was and come and recline beside me oh somebody need to thank God that you serve a God who will recline in the midst of your mess Jesus said, the Bible said, while we were yet sinners, better translation, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. I know why you're not happy. You don't think you were that bad. But while you were still ugly, Jesus came beside you and made you pretty. Is there anybody here that can thank God that he is a God who will recline right where we are? Jesus is reclining, and at the same time, he's teaching three lessons. Uh, I know it. There are three crowds there. We just talked to one of them. They're the tax collectors and the sinners. Uh, it got on me because the commentator there, Craig Keener, the New Testament scholar, said, who were the sinners? Because they did make a distinction. Tax collectors, the pariah of the people, and sinners. And you know, you can read as much as you can, but it really ain't that deep. Because it was only one person there who didn't have no sin. So before you start looking at your neighbor to find out who the sinner is, there's only one person in the room that didn't have no sin. Is there anybody here that can thank God even with my little white stuff is still called sin to God? But that one group, tax collectors, sinners. Then we know that there are those here who oppose Jesus. The Pharisees. But then there's also his own group there, disciples. I believe Jesus, by his action, is teaching three lessons at one time. He tells a sinner that you're good enough for me to lay down beside you. He tells his enemy that you ought to watch out because you need me to lay down beside you too. But he also tells his disciples, don't you have your nose in the air because the folk in this room are the folk you need to be putting your arm around. Is there anybody here that knows your life and faith is to put your arm around folk who ain't supposed to be in the party? So, so group number two asked Jesus a question. And, 
and strange enough, he didn't ask it to Jesus. Why in the world, when we got an issue with folk, we go to other folk? You know, I, I, get, this, I get this all the time at work. I, I, they know, they know, they know, y'all, they know. They know I love Jesus. They also know I ain't perfect. But they come to me. And I said, well, why did so-and-so do that to so-and-so? I said, hey, man, I, just, go ask him. Go ask him. I, I, I'm not omniscient. I don't know why. But, but, but the Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher recline with sinners and tax collectors? And it's a wonderful question, but sad at the same time. Because they should have known Jesus well enough to understand he always relaxes with folk who need him. He called us the same way. But Jesus, here's the question. And what I love about Jesus, he will address the question that was directed to somebody else. He says simply that those who are sick don't need a physician. Uh, well, no, sorry, those who are well, right? Only those who are sick. It is sick folk who need to see somebody who's got medicine to deal with their sickness. Uh, Jesus, the good doctor, is relaxing in a room full of sick folk. Because he knows he has what they need to make them well. But here's a lesson that he teaches, and I'm done, y'all. Here's a lesson that he teaches to the Pharisees, to the tax collectors and sinners, and to his disciples. Hosea 6 and 6, Jesus takes this text and puts it right in their lap. That I'm the kind of God that I desire mercy. I don't know about you, but I thank God every single morning for his mercy. Because I thank him for his goodness, but I thank him even the more for his mercy. I got up this morning not because he's good, but because he's merciful. I got breath in my body not because he's good, but because he's merciful. That I can see everybody not because he's good, but because he's merciful. And I wish you had some folk, about 70 of y'all with me, that understand the only reason you're here is because the God you serve is merciful. You lied yesterday, but he's merciful. You cussed the other day, but he's merciful. You made somebody mad the other day, but he is merciful. You want to thank God. 
And so where you are, don't look at people cross-eyed. Understand that the God we serve desires mercy. Says I desire mercy. But he also says that not sacrifice. Uh, Jesus would rather you be merciful to somebody than to sacrifice what you think you have. And I have struggled with this for a long time, y'all. Because every time I want to do something for somebody, I'm not mature enough to think that I got to go in my pocket and pull out something to help somebody. But Jesus said, no, sometimes all you need to let them know is that you can sit down and lay down right beside them. He says, I didn't come for I came for righteousness. That's what Jesus said. In other words, I came for you too. Uh, Jesus says that he cares. That he is a God who cares about us. And is there anybody know that our God cares for us? I'm talking about he cares for you. Even because he knows who you really are. He knows what you have really done. And he doesn't care about your facade, but he cares about you. And is there anybody here that understands that our God cares for you? He cares because he took his life and died for you. Is there anybody here that knows he cares so much about you? That he walked the Judean hillside, healing the sick and raising the dead. For you too, that he took blinded eyes and made them open for you too. I'm trying to get you to understand that we serve a God who cares for you. So you think that you can't make it through and you feel that all hope is gone. I want you to remember, remember God cares for you and he knows just what's best for you I need somebody to know he cares he cares for you he cares for you because he woke you up this morning he cares for you because he put food on your table he cares for you because you're still in your right mind I need somebody to understand he cares for you he cares for you because you got a job to go to tomorrow. He cares for you because you got a roof over your head. He cares for you because even in the midst of all of your sin, he laid down beside you. Where did he lay down? He laid down his life. On that Friday, he laid down for you and for me. They literally in a borrowed tomb. But I'm so glad that early Sunday morning, the God who cares for you too, 
got up early Sunday morning for you to be not dismayed, whatever be tied beneath his wing of love abide. God cares. He cares for you. He cares for you because he woke you up. Give him praise because he cares. serve a God who knows where we are. We serve a God who knows everything about us. We serve a God who even when the alcohol is on our breath, he'll come and lay down right beside us. We serve a God that even though there are others in the room that need him, he has enough power to say, follow me. Thank God that we serve somebody who's good enough to call me in my place of isolation. He's good enough to see me where I'm sitting. And then he's God enough to come where I bring all my friends. If you will just stand on your feet. That even if you're not in the building, even if you're with us virtually... This God is calling you. He's calling you because he knows all about you. He's calling you because he knows where you're sitting. He knows who your friends are. And he wants to save them and relax with them too. So the invitation is to you today. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. The Bible declares that you shall be saved. So the invitation is to you to come and give your life to him. Even if you're with us virtually, send us a message if you need salvation. And this God who has brought you out of isolation will bring you in to community with him. Come on, somebody. You need him. I know you're struggling with it because you feel like nobody cares. But he cares for you. Jesus does understand your problems. He wants to help you. Come on, give your life to him. Send us a message if you need to salvation this morning and you're not in the building but if you're here he's calling you he knows where you are he knows who you are he knows where you're sitting and he's still God enough to say follow me so come on give your life to him Oh, oh, let's pray, let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you know us. The reason we know you know us is because it's you who made us. And we haven't made ourselves. That 
The Bible declares that you formed us from the dust of the earth. And you breathe into us the very breath of life. And thusly making us living souls. God told Jeremiah that he knew him before he formed him. And Lord, we thank you that you really know who we are. And Lord, now we pray that somebody who's struggling with who they are understands that you see them where they are. And you're willing to call them unto yourself. And Lord, we thank you that all we have to do is follow. That the change is made by you. You give us your spirit and he dwells within us. But he also works to sanctify us. And so he'll lead us to your word so we can learn how to follow you. Lord, give us a heart in the crowd today to desire mercy. Give us a heart to know that there are those around us who are sick. And let us show them the great physician. Lord, we thank you for coming in our sinful midst and reclining with us. But Lord, when you reclined with us, you showed us that we were good enough. That even if we were tax collectors and sinners, that you are Savior who sits down with sinners. Lord, we even now pray for the enemy. We pray for those who oppose us. For they need you too. But also, Lord, we pray for the disciples. Let us see your example. And know that you desire from us what you showed us. Lord, for wherever the people may be, They've given their lives to you this morning. We say thank you. And we embrace them. Not only to the family of the church. But to the presence of the kingdom. And this is our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Somebody ought to say, thank God. Somebody ought to say, thank God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this journey you have brought us. Thank you all to just really say it. Let me get Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for my journey. Come on. Oh, you brought me from a long, long way. And I thank you, thank you, Jesus, for my journey. You brought me from a long, long way. Oh, and I thank you, thank you, Jesus, for my journey. 
give God praise in his house. Let's thank God for the man of God. Let's thank God for Pastor Jason Haynes. Amen. 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 Preaching, preaching, preaching just doesn't come any plainer than that. Thank God for the word. Thank God for the power of his word. And thank God for what the word does in us. Uh, we want to uh, just make sure that we reiterate uh, that I'll just share with you some things that are going on here and some things we have coming up. Uh, it's always hard for me to get up behind my son because my spirit is somewhere else. <laughs> I'm trying to get myself back here to this paper. We're going to get to the paper here. But I just thank God for what he is doing in his life. And thank God for, for the growth that we, we all see. And thank God for Salem because y'all raised this child. <laughs> Amen. Born, raised, bred right here in this church. And I just want to thank y'all for what God has done here in this place. Uh, I want to just share with you the, some information to all of the men of the church, all of the men of Salem, uh, on February 4th, February 4th at Heritage Hall, February 4th, 9 o'clock in the morning. We are all coming together. We have a men's breakfast. Be a wonderful thing for all of the men to come, and it would be a wonderful thing if you would bring your sons. 
uh, grand, bring your sons, grandsons. It would just be a wonderful time for the men of God to come together. That is February 4th at 9 a.m. in the morning at Heritage Hall. And the theme for that day is Together Again. Y'all bless the Lord. Together Again. At some point, we have to begin to stop pulling things back together. And who better than men to help start pulling all of us back together again. So we look forward to see every man, uh, your sons, your grandchildren, grandsons, bring them uh, that we might fellowship together that day. Uh, I want us to be in prayer with the Love family in the passing of Brother James Love. Uh, Brother James Love and his wife Bessie Love, members of this church and that uh, matter of fact, their children are raised, were raised here. They've been longtime members of Salem. Uh, he has gone home to be with the Lord. And I want us just to be in prayer uh, with the Love family, with Sister Bessie and their children. Uh, we don't have any information about a service, but let's just be in prayer and make contact uh, as we can. I also want to solicit your prayers for Brother Louis Schenkel. Brother Lewis Schenkel is right now, he's, he's under a doctor's care, and uh, we hear what the doctors are saying, but we believe the report of the Lord. And we just know that whatever God does, whatever God says, all is going to be well. So let's just lift the name of, of Brother Lewis Schenkel, his wife, who is our daughter. She's a strong woman, but she needs us praying. Uh, Reverend Anita Schenkel, uh, let's just lift her up. She, she's got this tough shell, but uh, Daddy knows what's a, what her heart is. And right now, she needs all of us praying for them. Pray for the Schenkel family during during this time. Also, let's continue to pray for the family, uh, for for our for the Whitley family. Uh, our preacher, Reverend Patricia Whitley. Uh, she's, still a, she's still hospitalized, and we just want to keep remembering that family. Uh, husband, William, and her children continue to remember them in our prayers. Amen? Amen, amen. Let me just say, and I know we're behind time, but I have to. Yeah. want to also remember, continue in, uh, remembering prayer, the Sangster family we funeralized yesterday, uh, Mother Sangster, uh, Mother Mary Sangster, so, but we want to keep our son now in prayer, just, uh, just keep him lifted uh, over this season. He has lost his father and his mother, so we just want to keep Daryl in prayer, just keep lifting him up and just pray that God will continue to give, be his strength. Uh, I want to, we are, I'm, a, I'm a day late, but I want all of us, because she is so attentive for all of our children, just wish Sister Felissa Brooks a happy birthday. She takes care of all of our children. I don't... <laughs> Amen. She's not in here. She's up here with us. She's up there with the children now. But she had a birthday on yesterday, and I, I, I saw somebody publish her age. I don't believe it a bit. <laughs> Amen, because she keeps up with our children. She keeps up with them, and we thank God for her service to this church and for all that she does for all of our children. I'm going to introduce you all. We have, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, 
once again, let me ask those who are visiting with us for the first time, will you stand wherever you are if you're visiting for the first time? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. So happy to have you. And I didn't know we had others here. I want, I want to introduce you all. That's Pastor, Pastor Nathan Cas, Cas, Casparo. Did I say it close enough? Brother, Pastor. That's Pastor Nathan. Now, what you all may not know, and I've got to confess, I've got an outside child now. That's, that's, that's one of my outside children. Uh, I've got sons and daughters in this church, but over the last couple of months, he, has, he comes and he sits down and we talk, and I've just agreed that I'm, I'll adopt you right now. I'm, I'm just going to hold on to you. God is doing a great work in him and through him. He and his wife have wonderful ministries, so wonderful to have you come be a part of what we're doing here in Salem. God bless you. God keep you is our prayer. I thank God for all of you. It's just so wonderful to see people in the pews again. Amen. 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 I've got to I've got to repent. I've got to repent because yesterday when the weatherman was talking about how bad it was going to be and all of the rain I got to repent, and I said, y'all don't even know I got it, but I, I said y'all wasn't coming today. <laughs> I said, yeah, no, they won't be, you know, people make up their minds about church on Saturday. <laughs> and I was hoping the news, why don't y'all just shut up about the rain, because folk, <laughs> folk make up their mind on Saturday where they come into church. And I, so I, I, I have to repent. <laughs> Thank God, so glad to see everybody, everybody in the house. God bless you. And God keep you as our prayer. Thank you so much for your continued giving. Uh, the receptacles are on either, either side. And so we'll receive your offering on, on the way out. Let us pray. God, we thank you for these opportunities to give. Father, we know you to be the one, the source of all of our supply. And Father... As we prepare to leave this place, we dare not leave, dear God, without following your example in giving. You loved us so much that you gave. And dear God, our prayer is that you give us hearts that we too might give. And in everything you do, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Let us stand. God be with you till we meet again.
may the grace of God, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us now, henceforth, and forevermore. Let us all say. several ways to submit your tithe and offering. Online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give. On Cash App at dollar sign the church with zeal. Via the Givelify app. By mail to Salem Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 817, Lilburn, Georgia 30048 or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give. Online, Givelify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.